Welcome to Old Stories of New Suns, a classic sci-fi travelogue. I'm Chris. On this show, we visit real stars in order of increasing distance from Earth, focusing on the way those stars were described in classic science fiction stories. Join me on a journey through old stories about imaginary trips to real places. This time on Old Stories of New Suns, we'll be traveling to Sirius, the brightest star in Earth's night sky, as it was imagined by Voltaire in his 1752 story, Le Micromega. We've visited five stars so far, and most people in Europe and North America have never seen any of them. Four of the five aren't visible from Earth without optical aid. The remaining one, Alpha Centauri, is the third brightest star in the night sky, but it's never visible at all from any latitude further north than Cairo, Kathmandu, or Orlando. Unless you're in the Svalbard archipelago, or in one of a handful of small settlements in far northern Canada, though, you'll be able to see Sirius for at least part of the year. And it's not just some anonymous dot in the sky, either. Sirius is the brightest star in the night sky, almost twice as bright as Canopus in second place, and brighter than anything else in the sky, other than the Sun, the Moon, Venus, Jupiter, and sometimes Mars and Mercury. Sirius is pretty close to us, only 8.6 light-years away, and the trip there will take us about 4.6 years, although folks on Earth will see us take almost 10.5 years to get there. Like Alpha Centauri, Sirius is a double star. Unlike Alpha Centauri, the two stars aren't very similar. The brighter star is intrinsically brighter than any we've visited so far. It's twice as heavy as the Sun, 1.7 times the diameter, and 25 times as bright. The dimmer star is 450 times dimmer than its companion, with the mass of our Sun packed into a space about the size of Earth. The two stars orbit one another once every 50 years. In the 1752 story, Le Micromega, Voltaire describes Sirius as reddish and imagines a planet orbiting the star that is 24,000 times the diameter of the Earth. In other words, this unnamed planet is 192 million miles in diameter, or just a bit further across than the Earth's orbit around the Sun. The inhabitants of Voltaire's planet are about 22 and a half miles tall, with 10-mile waists and noses that are a mile long. They live a staggering 10 million years, although they remain children only for 450 of those years. Everything on this world is enormous. Even the insects are 100 feet across. If you're not scared off by the huge size of the life on this planet, maybe you can persuade one of the inhabitants to take you on a tour of the universe. They travel from world to world using a combination of sunbeams and comets. Communicating with them might be difficult, though. Not only can our lungs not produce enough sound for them to hear without amplification, our meager five senses don't compare with their 1,000. A description of any phenomenon from Assyrian would be all but unintelligible to us. Even visual arts might not translate. The Syrians have 39 primary colors, 13 times more than our mere three. Ultimately, Voltaire's planet and its inhabitants are just too different from us for us to feel comfortable here, so we'll keep moving. 
There is very little in the Micromega that is scientifically accurate, although we should cut Voltaire some slack on that front. First, he wrote the story in 1752, long before we knew much about the universe beyond Earth. In 1752, we hadn't discovered Pluto or Neptune, let alone any exoplanets. Second, it's likely that Voltaire intended the story more as an exploration of size than as a scientifically accurate story. That said, it's not clear why Voltaire described Sirius as reddish. There are reddish stars in the night sky, such as Betelgeuse or Antares, but Sirius definitely isn't one of them. It's bright white. And, given the star's visibility from Earth, Voltaire didn't have to guess at the star's color. Interestingly, though, other people have described Sirius as red in the past. Ptolemy said it was the same color as Betelgeuse, Antares, Aldebaran, Arcturus, and Pollux, all of which are orange or red. The Roman philosopher Seneca and the Greek poet Eratus both called Sirius red, as did St. Gregory of Tours. Other European and Asian writers around the same time described the star as white or blue, and there's no known way for a star to change color that drastically over a period of just a couple thousand years. So it's not that Sirius has changed color. We'll probably never know why so many people thought the star was red, but Voltaire was in good company. What about Voltaire's planet? There are no actual known planets in the Sirius system, so he didn't get that right. What if there were a planet the size of the one Voltaire imagined, though? A planet 192 million miles in diameter would cause some problems. The planet must have a solid surface, since Syrians live on it. Even with a low-density solid all the way through, the mass of this planet would be enormous. The lowest-density solid known is a type of graphene aerogel, with a density of 0.16 milligrams per cubic centimeter, or about 6,000 times less dense than water. Assuming Voltaire's planet were made of this stuff, it would have a mass about 10,000 times heavier than the Sun, or more than 40 times as massive as the heaviest known star. If we assume the planet is made mostly of water, or rock, it would be even heavier. In reality, anything with that much mass would collapse under its own gravity, getting smaller and smaller until it became a black hole. As interesting as it might be to visit Voltaire's enormous planet, we can't. A planet that size just can't exist. We'll move on to the next stop, which also involves a black hole. That's all for this episode of Old Stories of New Suns. You can reach me at oldstoriesofnewsuns at gmail.com or on Twitter at sci-fi travelogue. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about the stars we're visiting. I hope you'll join me next time for another old story about another new sun.